Hi, everyone. Today is the start of season three of the Practical Protection Podcast, and I have someone joining me who's going to be a regular host for the podcast. It is the man, it is the legend, Roy McLaughlin. Hi. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Very good. Good. In this first episode of 2021, we are going to be having a bit of a chat about the next year, um, about things that probably happened a bit last year that we'll be summarising over, plans for the podcasts, and what we really hope to see in the, not just the protection space, but in other areas of finance and insurance too. So this is the Practical Protection Podcast. So, Roy, very, very quickly, let's have a little general chat because this is kind of just like a bit of a teaser, a bit of an intro to everybody as to what we're going to be doing. But how's your weekend been? How's it? How's everything for you in London? Yeah, it's all very good, thanks. Uh, I'm keeping up with my 10,000 steps a day but uh, and, and my uh, obsession with Netflix and other, other social media. <laughs> uh, the American election has been quite interesting as well, of course. It really has, hasn't it? Yeah, I was. Um, I, I tend to avoid all politics and news, like anything at all. I've, I've found for like my mental health for like the last year, all I've done is I log onto the BBC app first thing in the morning. I look at the essentials and then I refuse to look at anything to do with any form of news for the rest of the day. And I was absolutely fascinated, I have to say. It was, it was sad. It was so shockingly. It was just such a shock what happened over the weekend in America. And um, yeah, I think um, I think everybody's looking at that with a bit of surprise, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, if, if you didn't know it was it was actually happening, you'd think this was a spectacular soap opera or, or the latest Netflix series. But uh, it's just uh, it's just TV that you can't keep your eyes off, unfortunately, or fortunately. It really is. I know it's um, it's just difficult. But I do think though that I think they were kind of like just bouncing between us. It's kind of like America seems to do something that we all look at, then the UK seems to do something that everyone's looking at, and we're just kind of going like that. So hopefully, hopefully, we'll break the cycle soon. Maybe exactly. this like, latest thing will break the cycle. <laughs> Um, so I think what's a really good idea for everybody is, you know, see a lot of people that are listening will know both of us. I think it's probably a good idea to sort of chat about, you know, what we're both doing, what we're both up to, what we plan to bring to the podcast and, um, and probably sort of like some of our thoughts on last year as well. If, if, do you want to, do you want to kick it off with some yeah, of your sure. thoughts? So basically I have just um, handed my spurs in for the income protection task force that I've done for, I can't even believe I'm saying this, 17 years um oh. so maybe some of our listeners that aren't even 17 years old uh but wow, um, yeah <laughs> um yeah it's, it's been it's been a long time the, the last three years as chair but uh we are handing it over to some fantastic new people with lots of new ideas that's andrew and katie and joe so that, that's that's that uh i still continue to be a member of the pdg um and the game was one of the original people that, that helped set that up so hoping that 2021 will be um lots of PDG related uh, uh, things that are occurring. But obviously, you know, we've, we've got some huge challenges, uh, you know, with, uh, with COVID and, and insurance, but as you've also said, uh, other areas around insurance as well, because uh, for, for people that don't know, I'm a sort of generalist IFA as well. So I, I advise on pensions and insurances and investments, but uh, probably a little bit unusually in the group and the individual market. Yeah, I was going to say, I think what's, what's quite nice about the way that we're going to be doing this is that I can, uh, I sort of like, well, I was going to say, I can complement some of your knowledge in a way. <laughs> so I can, I can in the protection side of things. You can do everything else and I'll just come in for the protection side of things. But, um, but no, I mean, absolutely incredible achievement with the IBTF for taking for so long and being so instrumental as well in the seven families. I know we've just had a, a sort of like a catch up video, haven't we? And there's yeah. been quite a few of us as advisors that have done things. Because I know for, our, for ourselves at Cura, it's part of our, um, it's part of our training with our team that they watch the videos and watch the lives just to see. And for anybody who isn't sure, the seven families um, followed essentially seven families and how 
their lives were affected by being diagnosed with um, very, very significant conditions. And I think, as we all say, and I've been saying for, for a long time, and you guys have definitely obviously been saying this for such a long time, it's the stories that really hit home exactly why these insurances are so important. Um, but whereabouts is the seven families up to at the moment? I say uh, there were some videos, wasn't there, recently? Yeah, so what we've done is that, uh, um, and just going back to the stories, it, it was fascinating. Uh, when you speak to, and lots of our listeners will be brand and marketing people, uh, if you talk to people in industries that are outside, because you know there's a world outside insurance as well. Done. No! Yeah, yeah, apparently. No. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> it, it, it is quite fascinating to hear how other industries uh, project themselves and market themselves and PR themselves by telling stories. And this is always fascinating me as to why we don't do it. And we've got the greatest stories ever to tell because our stories are our claims. Um, and if you talk to journalists, um, they will say that they're probably one of the biggest criticisms of our industry is that we don't tell stories. So this had been going around for, for, for years and years. And, and that's basically how the idea came up because we thought, well, this is crazy. We're not telling the great stories that are occurring. Let's tell seven of them. And uh, um, that's, you know, how, how Seven Families was born. And, and over the last five, six, seven years, I mean, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, it's the best thing I've ever been, in, you know, involved in. Um, we also, you know, utilized the fact that the advice was needed. So we brought advisors in that uh, ancillary services were needed so you know your best doctors and your red arcs and all those sort of things so it is it has been a a, a campaign of awareness because i think part of seven families was the fact that not only was the general public not aware but probably equally as important lots of advisors weren't aware of how important it was um, and just to remind any listeners that there is no intellectual property on seven families any of you can go in and utilize any of the information. There are all the videos, but there are lots of follow-up videos as you just alluded to. And we've just mm -hmm. done the summary, uh, which is worth listening to as well, because there's some industry luminaries and, uh, and a special guest talking about seven families. But I think that the legacy is, is its most important um, you know, point. And actually it's probably as relevant now as it's ever been because of everything that's happening. And the fact that let's face it, the problem with income protection was the terminology in that the the, you know, the, 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 the man, the, the woman on the Clapham omnibus just didn't know what income protection meant. Suddenly, mm. they're now hearing this concept being talked about, you know, even by our beloved chancellor. Absolutely. I, I do think that now more than ever is the time that we really need to grab onto the IP train, let's just put it that way. But it's interesting what you said, though, about journalists as well, because it, it is hard. And I know, obviously, we've had a few things that I feature in. I think many of us have had sort of maybe the odd little thing in newspapers and stuff. But it's, um, it's so hard, like we're saying, you know, we're trying to get out the positive stories. And obviously, if you do approach, not saying all journalists, but quite a few journalists, when you approach them and say, well, we've got this really good story. And, you know, I've had it said to us, it's just a case of, but we're not your PR person. You know, we're not going to just it, it, it's such a, it's, it's such a hard divide, though, isn't it? Because, it, you know, it's it is completely but, understand that they're not PR people, obviously. Um, it, but then it's we, we just need to make sure there's that balance, don't we, about yeah. the negative because the negative stories are very easy to see and and to, to get out into it. And, and rightly, you know, there should be out in the main if things have happened the way that they are being obviously portrayed. Um but it, it is very, very hard to get the positive stories out. And I'm, sh I'm sure that many advisors have, have find it hard to get those stories out yeah. there. The, the interesting thing about financial journalists, and there are some fantastic ones out there, and obviously over the, over the years that I've been involved, you, you, you do get to know these people. And, and what I would yeah. encourage all of our listeners is please go out and engage with these, with these guys and, and girls because, you know, they are great people. What they will say, um, and this is the Jeff Prestiges and the Simon Reeds and, and all, of the, all of the great journalists out there, is that they will say to you that when our industry makes a mistake, it is their job to call it out. 
Okay. And I, and I totally get that. All right. And actually, there's a positive there because there were some, uh, let's call them charlatans in our industry mm-hmm. who are no longer there anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason they're no longer there anymore is that they are exposed quite rightfully by, by, by journalists. So I think that's a positive side of what they do. But yeah. what I can assure you is that all of those people, okay, uh, will tell you that they actually want the good news stories as well. Okay, because it's not just about calling out uh, our industry. It's about telling the public what our industry does. And what was so fascinating about Seven Families was that the journalistic community came together almost to a, to, 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 to a, a man or woman. There, there was one exception, but we won't talk about him and said, okay. this is this is phenomenal. Because what you've actually done is that you've pulled together the industry in a way that no one had ever done before, i.e. you've got insurers, reinsurers, IFAs, all different types of IFAs, industry experts, and a few other people all in the same room at the same time delivering the same message. This is unheard of, and people just need to trust us. This this was unheard of. And I think that's what fascinated the the, the journalists. And the fact that the message was such a good to- uh, story to talk about was why they were happy to report it. And Jeff mm-hmm. Pressage, for example, said that it was the most radical thing that had ever happened to protection. Now, when an editor of, 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 of you know, that much esteem and, and experience and stuff like that, you have to stand up and, and, and take notice of it. Absolutely. But the reason why he was, was correct was collaboration uh, is so unusual. The fact that we had come together and collaborated as an industry, right, was was really important to the ultimate delivery of the message. So I think yeah. what I would encourage listeners to do is that if you have stories, um, go and talk to your journalists. Now, that could be the nationals, your local ones, the trade ones. It doesn't really matter who you go and talk to. But I think that you might find that they're, they're far more receptive than sometimes we think. And I think part of the problem is us. We perceive that unless we go and tell them some scandal stories or or some some bad news stories, they won't be interested. Uh, I would say quite the opposite. And, and I think that um, they're not always going to print everything you talk to them about. Uh, and sometimes they will like real life uh, pictures um, and real mm. life names, but not always is, is, is that the case. So, you know, I think it's really, really important that we engage with, a, you know, and there are some fantastic journalists out there. You know, if you take Cover Magazine, you know, Adam, mm-hmm. you know, Adam Saffel, who many of you know, uh, Catherine, you will know, you know, we can pick the phone up. We can pick that phone up to whenever we want. And he would openly encourage that. But, you know, there are others as well. I'm glad to see that David Sawyers is making a comeback with health and protection. You know, there's yeah. corporate advisor, there's money marketing, there's financial advisor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I know that some of uh, some IFAs will put stories in their local papers as well, you know, and there yeah. are some local papers who will say come and tell us stories and do you know what why not go and tell them stories at the moment okay because there are some some incredibly positive stories and yeah. and, and and i haven't even started on the broader social media i'm just talking about like you know localized at the moment absolutely i think as well though um sorry just going back to something you were saying there about about that thing about collaboration i don't think you know anybody could expect us to have the episode and not talk about um uh, signposting and obviously collaboration that way. I think, you know, obviously, you know, you've been doing some incredible amounts of work um, with signposting. I'm sat on um, Bieber's Access to Insurance Committee, which is obviously a lot to do with the find a broker service that they offer um, across multiple different um, sort of like financial insurance um, topics. Um, so but what is it sort of like the, 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 the signposting things that you've been doing this last year? And what's, what's kind of like your aim for this year? So signposting for me is another game changer, a bit like Seven Families. And I think if people sit back and think about signposting and you do need to draw a breath and think about what it's doing. okay, 
how it concludes is, is an incredibly logical issue. What I would encourage listeners to do is just to think about situations they've had with sister industries. So, for example, if you've bought a house, you need to go and get a lawyer to do your conveyancing. Okay. That lawyer, you're in his or her law firm, and you think, actually, I should probably do a will now. Or maybe you've gone back and you've wanted to do some, some other legal issues that you wanted to do. You never talk to the same lawyer. Okay. Mm-hmm. You might use that person's firm, but they will introduce you to other people in the firm. Okay. Yeah. If they don't have the expertise in that firm, so a lot of conveyancing solicitors will specialize in property, they might say to you, look, we don't do wills, for example, but I've got a guy down the high street who does wills. Is it okay if I introduce you to to this law firm down the high street to to do your will? Okay. If you then want some some legal issues done at work, is it okay if if I introduce you to a specialist that does that? I don't think any of us would ever say no to that because the Mm. key with that sentence is that you're trusting the referrer to refer you to whoever they're going to refer you to, i.e. you're not going to say, no, I don't want to be referred to that will person. Okay. Mm-hmm. Think about accountancy for any, any people that run their own business. Obviously you'll probably do your bookkeeping via one, one type of accountant, but arguably you might do your audit for a different type of accountant. Okay. Or some tax planning for a different type of accountant. Again, the same principle there. Now let's bring that across to our industry. Okay. There are people listening to this call who call themselves protection advisors, uh, wealth management advisors, employee benefits advisors, mortgage advisors. Okay, why don't we do the same thing? And traditionally, as an industry, we are obsessed with those silos that I've just described. And I think the the issue of signposting is that when you do have that cup of tea and sit back and think about it, why don't we just do what the law firms and the accountancy firms and other similar professions and do the sim- similar thing ourselves? So I think the the sort of the light bulb moment for for many of us was signposting was the proverbial no-brainer, but obviously we had to encourage people how to do it. And as you just alluded to, where to go to, to find that, those lists. And there's Bieber, but there are, there, are other, there are other mediums that can be used as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where people should be encouraged to take a, a long think and think, either can I do this myself? If I can't do this myself, should I get myself trained up to do it? Or if I generally don't want to do this myself, let me get some signposting to someone else that will do it such that our industry becomes more collaborative and starts cross-referring signposting to each other. Um, and there is, there, there, there is an unintended consequence that's come out of all of this that some people have already said back to us, which is signposting works both ways. Okay. Yeah. So you might be a mortgage broker that says, actually, do you know what? I, I really don't have the time or inclination to do protection. So I'm going to go and marry up with a protection specialist and you start giving them your work. It might be, and we've already seen this, that some protection specialists say, oh, mortgages scare me because I don't like the, the intricacies of, you know, of all the mortgage advice and keeping up with the market mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Would you like the business coming back the other way? Okay, yeah. and that and that is happening out there. And I've got some great examples of where that's happening. So don't always think of signposting as signposting in one direction signposting is a multiple direction well it's all about the networks isn't it and I think a big thing for me with signposting and and sort of things that stand out is that one it's first of all it's the right thing to do by the clients as well you know if if you don't if you're at the end of what you're able to do for your clients but that doesn't mean that their needs end just because your advice 
ends and your knowledge ends, or maybe even it's not your knowledge. It may just be that you are, you know, you have a set amount of people or providers that you can use and they just need somebody outside of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way that obviously different businesses set up are all there for different reasons. And as you say, perfect business sense in the sense of, you know, you're you're making up these building these relationships and something that always sort of like seems to be popping into my mind at the moment as well is because I, I come from obviously from the business side from probably the compliance side of things as well is I'm sort of being a little bit concerned about the idea of and the repercussions of possibly not signposting yeah. in the sense of if you're doing something for somebody and you identify if you if you know you know if you're doing a mortgage and you know that person should really have life insurance so you know, obviously I'm sure there's plenty of other um, scenarios as well between wealth and pensions and everything else that I just I don't have my that's not my area but this is just my area so just in my mind I think if you know that you're doing a margin they should really have life insurance then if you don't try to do that or don't put something in place um, then is that potentially gonna I'm just gonna say bite you in the bum in the future you never well, know it's an, it's a very interesting one because what has been thrown back um, the other way is that a lot of mortgage brokers they they had a, a new piece of um, legislation that came in a few years ago which meant that their compliance became very elongated and a bit mm. more complex than it was before. So there were there were various stories going around that it took 13 hours to do a mortgage application, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now obviously that this is exaggerated, yeah. but the, the the point the point was understood. But what several people used to say to me was we haven't got time to do this. Okay. Mm. Now I get that, but to your point, um, it's not acceptable just to say we haven't got time to do this. Full stop. And actually, um, in in a couple of the podcasts, we talked to, to people like John Cowan and Claire Lemon last year, who are people in the mortgage industry, who said this is this is just simply not good enough anymore. What you've got to do is that rather than put a full stop there, you've got to you know bring in a comma, okay, mm-hmm. and say, but I will find you someone that can, because actually. You're absolutely right. There is a obligation, okay, to not stop the mortgage application at that point and to carry on. And if you generally don't have the time or inclination to do it, to refer it out. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, the greatest fear would be if that were person to, to have a long-term illness or critical illness or to die, okay, and then you meet their widow or you'll meet their mm-hmm. family member or you meet them and then to say to you, but when you set this mortgage up for me, why didn't you yeah. why didn't you give me any of this protection? Okay. And put aside put aside the compliance part of that conversation. What about the actual how are you going to deal with that answer? And and I mm. think that, you know, this this goes full circle to why we need to tell real life stories, because I think most advisors will be able to uh, relate to a situation where they turned around and said, but the life insurance paid out, but the critical illness paid out, but the income tax mm. paid out. And there's a feel-good factor there. I don't care what, what what people say. That's us doing our job properly. Yeah. So you take that take that full circle and say to not have that conversation. You're you, you know you really are on some shaky ground. And and if it is, uh, we're not picking on mortgage brokers here. But if if it is the mortgage broker that through um, naivety doesn't realise that that person should have income protection, for example, mm. are they not duty bound to go and find that out? And then to go and find it out and then to signpost, I'm going to throw that one out there. I think, yeah, I think that's good. I mean, obviously, I know it's probably seems how you say, probably talk about mortgages, but it's probably because it's the one that's, um, that, sorry, we see a lot. You know, obviously people yeah. come to us after they've arranged the mortgage and then they need insurance, but haven't been able to, through the original mortgage broker, get the, um, get the life insurance. Um, but I, th- I think that there's that... <sighs> I think for almost every area, there is that need to sort of think, right, okay, 
this maybe isn't my area. I, I'm very, you know, honest. Protection insurance is what I do. I don't have time to do anything, anything else. So, you know, if, if as soon as somebody mentions a pension or a mortgage to me, I'm like, no, that's not me. That is absolutely not me. I cannot provide yeah. you. And not just from a regulatory point of view, but just from my own, you know, sanity, I can't possibly yeah. try and pretend to, to know that I have any kind of knowledge in that field. So I just immediately signpost out to people. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, um, it's really important. I think as well, you know, sometimes it's like I say, you know, it doesn't have to be that you're suddenly going to be, th- one, you don't lose your clients. You know, it's it's not a case of that they're suddenly no longer your clients. It's a building of a relationship for kind of like a, a dual kind of, not a dual advice, but you know what I mean? Kind of dual support of the client yeah. in the sense. Um, oh, and there was something else I was going to say. It's completely gone out of my mind. Well, It'll well, come back that, to me in a minute. <laughs> on, that, on that subject, what I can promise uh, any of our listeners that are thinking about signposting is that if you find your client, someone to do their mortgage, someone to do their pension, someone to do their private medical insurance and someone to do their protection or a combination in any of of those, you will have that client for the rest of your life because clients are incredibly loyal back the other way and they will remember who the person was that referred them to all of those people. Okay. Because yeah, they will say that that guy for for coordinating all of that was a good, was a good guy for doing all of that. And it is strange uh, how people always remember the original referrer. So never, but never worry that signposting is going to lose control. Quite the opposite. All it does is that it, it the, in the client's eyes, it means that they uh, increase their respect for you because you facilitated their whole life life. Now, all I would do there is make sure that the people you signpost to, you also keep in touch with, okay? And you have mm-hmm. a relationship with. So don't just signpost off to someone that you don't know, right? Interview the people you're going to be signposting to, okay? Have a relationship with them and talk to them on a regular basis, okay? Yeah. Because it's also very important that, you know, that you don't need to know the nooks and crannies about what that person's done or what mortgage they've done or whatever it is, but they should certainly be coming back to you and, and give you some sort of, you know, some sort of update as to who they're looking after and how and how how it's gone and how it's proceeded okay because and 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 ideally keep this on some sort of spreadsheet somewhere so that the next time you bump into that person you could say oh how did you get on with uh, you know steve the mortgage guy or 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 claire the private medical person or whoever it doesn't matter with again Mm. all the customer's going to do i promise you is go oh of course yes you put me in touch with them Thank you very much. Okay. And the other thing about signposting, okay, uh, is that what if that system works, what I can also promise our listeners is you will get referrals from that client. Okay. And you might think, well, why? And the reason you get referrals is that they will come to you originally and say, go to this person, because not only can they do this part of my financial needs, they can do everything else. And you end up signposting out again. So the strange, uh, you know, thing about signposting is that rather than giving it out and forgetting about it, it will create more business from you for your own client bank. That I can promise our listeners. Absolutely. The thing popped back in my mind as well um, is that you don't always, you don't have to pass over all your clients. So, you know, just when you're signposting, it isn't that you're suddenly saying, why, every, you know, I have to give up every form, like people coming to me, they don't have to give up all of their protection that they do yeah. for their clients. It's just the ones that they really need support on. Yeah. And but also, the, 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 sorry, the, other, the, other, the other quite amusing thing that we've had is that we've had some people that have started signposting over the last year or two, okay, yeah. who after a while have gone, hang on a minute, 
why am I not doing this myself? And actually have yeah. started advising on the very subject they were signposting on because it's dawned on them that they're probably better off doing it themselves. And I think sometimes it needs you to go off signposting to do that, or as, as you quite rightly say, signpost some but not all. So an example might be you might be a little bit nervous about, you know, high summer shorts on, on, on protection, okay? And it might be you go and start marrying up with someone that's, that's you know, does high summer shorts. But then, of course, after a while, you might start saying, well, hang on a minute, why don't I just do this myself and, 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 and yeah. bring them back to me? So signposting is not one of those be-all and end-alls where you're going to do it forever. And, and yeah. we have anecdotal evidence that people have started doing it and then the pennies dropped. And it, there's one company, one mortgage company we know, uh, who was signposting all their protection and now have just set up their own protection desk, okay, because uh, it's occurred to them that they should be doing it themselves, which is equally great as well. So, yes. uh, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't matter what the answer is. The, the, the final answer is your customer gets covered. Exactly. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's like looking forward to this year coming up. It's it's going to be a bit of a strange one because I think, you know, both of us were usually at, obviously you far more than me, but, you know, uh, we're usually at conferences. We're usually at lots of different things and seminars and different things and, I'm, I'm and actually missing getting on the tube I never thought Aye. I would say that sentence but you know going off and you know the great thing about the protection industry as you know when I say we all met wasn't it is that there are some fantastic seminars and there are some fantastic conferences and you you get to meet all the other wonderful people in, in our industry and and now we're doing it on this on this telephone thing called zoom and but uh, yeah. uh, but those those days will come back we'll, we'll all be in the same room again and uh um, and, and, you know, you never know. It seems a bit strange saying this on a Monday morning, but we might be able to have a, a, a glass of wine with, with, uh, with our peers soon. And, and those sort well, of I was going to say, I'm assuming that there'll be lots of scotch eggs about if there's going to be <laughs> the wine about as well, so we can all get together. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so, I mean, sorry for this year coming up. So obviously I'm involved in Bieber's um, Access to Insurance Work um, sorry, Committee. I'm also being involved in the Institute of Faculties of actuaries, I'm not sure if I got that completely right, but I, everyone knows what I mean, um, in their mental health working group. And um, I've recently also been invited um, to be the um, ambassador, insurance ambassador for Parkinson's UK, uh, which is something obviously I'm really, really thrilled about after some of the work I was doing last year and just um, feeling like I'm giving back a bit more to, to especially to, to people Fantastic who are doing news. so much to help my dad. Yep. Um, and, um, and sorry, I think that's probably my... You know, for the podcast going forward, I think, you know, I'll be filling in lots and like bringing some knowledge from those areas to it as well. Um, there is going to be um, a regular underwriter. Matt Ran is going to be joining regularly as well. So we can go back to doing a lot of kind of in-depth analysis of certain medical conditions and how it's understood by insurers and underwriters. And, and obviously, yes, whilst, you know, for a good while, there's still going to be that conversation of, well, we'd usually be able to do this, but because of COVID, risk appetites are lower, da, 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 da. I think if we also just generally chat, you know, that, I think we'll give like general overviews. So what would be happening in, what should we say, a, a non-pandemic time at yeah. the same point? And, and just sort of get back to giving that kind of information out to people, which would be really good. And I know full well that you're going to have so many different areas that you're going to be bringing into this, especially from the PDG and different areas. It's going to be, um, it's going to be a brilliant mix. Absolutely. No, looking, for, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt is a fascinating guy to listen to because, you know, he was a chief underwriter at a, a well-known insurance company. I'm not sure if I can say who they were, but uh, I'm, no I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll tell you when he comes on. Uh, but it, it is, it, you know, it's really important also. I always think that 
we should get to meet other people from other parts of our industry. And underwriters yeah. are a really important people to, to talk to. And I know uh, underwriters will, will encourage advisors to talk to them on a regular basis because equally, uh, they don't tend to get out much, that much either. They're, they're, they're stuck in their very dark rooms in their very dark towers. Um, <laughs> but actually, uh, underwriters, I think, are quite um, fascinated to hear what, what real clients are like um, in real situations. And pandemic to one side, you know, the, the underwriting challenges that you and I come across as society changes and the different types of clients that we've got. And I think one of the, uh, the biggest challenges, uh, you know, in this coming year will be the gig economy. And the fact that people will be working in a different way than they've ever done before, plus some of the new professions that you can start to see them already, can't you? You know, artificial, mm. artificial intelligence and, and such like. And I think underwriters are, you know, quite fascinated to come and engage with the likes of ourselves and understand about the, the new way of working. And, you know, I mean, a, a great example is the fact that they do anticipate that there will be many people that have more than one job going forward. OK, mm. now that has huge ramifications for income protection, if you think about it. Yes, so, really. you know, the, the, these sorts of subjects are something that we do want to be engaging with, uh, you know, with that side of the industry on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm really looking forward to this and this new direction that we're going to be taking. It's going to be a really good mix. So we're going to, as usual, have two weekly episodes planned. And at the moment, we've got sort of everything planned up until about the summer. But if anybody who's listening thinks that they maybe have something that they'd like to contribute and come and talk on about things, please do feel free to get into contact. Now, I know, Roy, you're going to do a bit of solo hosting as well at some point. Get yeah, some absolutely. specific guests on for you, which will be yeah. good. People might have heard some of the income section task force ones we did last year, you know, alongside with the great ones that you did. Mm-hmm. If there's anyone that people would you know particularly in our industry that would like to be interviewed um you know do get in touch because um you know we'd, we'd like to particularly talk to people on let's call it the other side of the industry i didn't say the dark side i said the other side uh, <laughs> where we'd like to you know uh, so that people can get to know people from that side of the industry as well because i think that's that's the other thing is that we can be accused of being a silo ourselves can't we so oh, you know yeah. we're very much in the protection mold but actually, you know, that we want to go and talk to some of the mortgage people and to some of the wealth managers and some of the employee benefits guys, but also some of the insurers and, you know, p- p- potentially journalists. So, uh, so, you know, there's there's some great people in our holistic industry. And if you've got any suggestions or you've got any people you'd like to volunteer, please, please send them in. Absolutely. We had some volunteers uh, last year as well, which was quite good. People contacting saying, can we, can, can we come on, can we come on? And it was just like, yeah, of course. I'm always up for a natter. Always up we'll, for t- a natter. we'll talk to anybody. We'll talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so next time I'm going to have Helen Croft from AIG chatting with me and we're going to be having a chat over things to do with um, obviously coronavirus, the way that things are looking right now and what 2021 is due to bring. Um, if anybody would like a reminder of the next episode, please do feel free to drop either myself or I a message and we will put you on the reminder list and um, obviously we're on social media and you can visit the website uh, www.practical-protection.co.uk and again as always um, please feel free to to go on the website and ask for CPD certificates if you feel that this has contributed to your knowledge in your work but it's really really lovely to chat to you Roy and uh, looking forward to to speaking again thank you very much for your time I'll speak to you very soon